And now, you're tuned in to RBLR, the home of Tampa Bay's Reveler Sports. Hello, everyone out there in Tampa Bay and beyond. This is James Knowles coming at you for the RBLR Sports Podcast. I am here, like I am every week, to cover the Rowdies with my usual co-host, Carlos. How are you doing, Carlos, on this Thursday evening? It's a lovely Thursday night. Just finished, not just yesterday. Went to my last Georgetown basketball game in person as a student, feeling nostalgic <laughs> for a program that has given me nothing uh, over the last three years. But that's how it goes sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for context, I saw a total of one Big East win in person in my entire time here. Um, that first year was COVID, so I wasn't there. And then, yeah, there was one game on campus that we won while students were here. And there was maybe like 30 students in the stands for that one. So I'm proud to be one of those few students that have seen the Big East win on this campus. Um, and yeah, James, you know what? College basketball is fun, but even more fun than that, 10 Bay Rowdy soccer. And it's coming up real soon. Yep. Very, very soon. Just a few weeks away now. Um, we're kind of getting to that crunch time. Preseason results kind of keep coming in. We'll talk about one of those games in a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, things are coming together, James. So I can't complain. It's starting. It's starting to feel like Christmas, like they say, right? Yeah, right, right. What about you, what's going on in your life before we talk about any of that, any of the rowdy stuff? Um, nothing too much, nothing too different. As you said, though, the rowdies are getting closer. They had a uh, they had a game this past weekend that we actually do need to give a little bit of context for, a little bit of talking about yeah. because we don't have a ton of information. Um, neither of us could be there. And uh, unfortunately, it looks like there wasn't that big of a crowd because it somehow was one of the colder nights in Florida while it was also rainy. You know, I think that a lot of us are used to rain, but with that and the temperature being in the 60s, uh, I don't know that there are many Floridians who are used to that specifically. So it seems like that many, uh, not that many people actually decided to make the trek either way. We will still have a little bit of coverage for that one coming up here. So, um, yeah, we will need to talk about that and a couple of other Rowdies news tidbits before we get into the second part of our Eastern Conference preview. As we said last week, we are breaking up each conference into two tiers. Should have been three, but we don't have that much time, and we don't honestly need to spend that much time, I think, focused on all the other teams uh, as a Rowdies-focused podcast. You know, if we were covering the whole league, maybe we could break it down a little bit more, but I think, Carlos, we're doing more than more than enough for uh, what our remit is with the Rowdies. Absolutely, James. There's so much to talk about. There's so much to say. Um, I, we are really cramming a lot into this one episode. Last week, we crammed a lot into that episode as well. So I'll shut my mouth and let you take it away so we can jump into it. All right. Well, two quick things to hit on before we actually get to the news this week. Uh, first of all, congrats to our former interviewee, Madison Cox, and the Puerto Rican national team. Not only did they qualify for the Women's Gold Cup, they did so in kind of stunning fashion. Uh, their goal in a 1-0 win over Haiti was off of a penalty. They also conceded a penalty. And their keeper saved it. So uh, it was it was stunning. Um, you know, I thought it was fair that the I thought it was fair that the penalty did not result in a goal. I'll just leave it like that. Um, I wasn't convinced that it was the most most correct of penalty calls, but I am not the referee. And regardless, Puerto Rico still won the game. So that was awesome. Um, I retweeted it for anybody who follows me on Twitter. And uh, similarly, they had their first game last night. Unfortunately, it was a one nil loss to Brazil. In all honesty, your first major tournament game coming against Brazil and you only lose one nil. That's really not that bad. In fact, it's quite good. They've held Brazil out until the 80th minute. I think the 80, 80th, 81st 
Um, it was still, you know, a, a loss, but it's as good a loss as I think you can get for your first ever game. So I'm really happy for them in their major tournament debut. They deserve it, and they, they're they looking good to, you know, go up against these next two teams. It's going to be tough, especially against Columbia, I think, but they are, uh, they're looking, they're looking like a solid unit, and they know how to play to grind out a result if that's what they need to do. And um, I'm, I'm really happy for them. So that was the first thing. The second thing is, of course, please like and subscribe to us on YouTube, any major podcast platform that you use. We are there and on social media. If you could join us as well, we are on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Threads, Blue Sky, wherever else we are Everywhere. at RBLR Sports. Now, Carlos, um, I will hop into the USL News first, and then I will turn it over to you. Uh, because I think I know possibly a little bit more about the two players that we have mentioned here. One is Orange County signing uh, Sofian Jafal, and then San Antonio signing Kendall Burks. These are both players who were in MLS last season, and they are coming down to USL this year. Uh, Sofian Jafal was one of the higher-rated players out of college soccer when he graduated, I think, two years ago. He spent some time with Austin and uh, I think he spent some time with DC last year, but he was a pretty good player, especially in college. Um, he was a bit part player in MLS, which, you know, you might expect. And as much as he was doing relatively well there, uh, I am assuming that whatever teams were looking at him decided they could use the money for his contract better somewhere else. So, you know, unfortunate for him, but ultimately pretty fortunate for Orange County. They get a very good player. Uh, originally from France, and you know that's a big boost to their roster because they haven't seen a ton of movement for them that looks to be in the positive category so far. There is some, obviously, but um, I think that he's one of the better players that they've signed in this offseason. And the second player, San Antonio, getting Kendall Burks. He was another player who was pretty highly rated out of college, and he was with Seattle Sounders. No, I'm sorry, he was with Chicago Fire. He was originally from the Seattle area, but he was with the Chicago Fire during his time in MLS. And he was another bit part player, but he did get some some pretty good playing time for a rookie season. Uh, they wanted to spend their money again on somebody else, so fair enough. San Antonio brought him in, and I think that that is a pretty good pretty good signing for their back line. It really shores them up as uh, a defensive you know, unit that we all kind of know San Antonio to be, although supposedly mm -hmm. they want to play a different way this year. We'll see how that works out. Um, but yeah, those are the two first bits of news. And then Carlos, I'll let you take it away because there's, there's even bigger news with San Antonio. I mean, I think the biggest news is, is your rowdy's news, to be honest. That's know, true. We'll get there in a second. Of course. That's, uh, that's always biggest. Yeah. The, the more minor news that James may or may not be referring to is no, <laughs> San Antonio did make a pretty big signing this past week. Um, They went out and brought in Kevin Lambert, um, which is a name everybody should know. If you're listening to this podcast, Um, you probably have at least heard of him in some capacity. Yeah. Um, fantastic, fantastic player. Um, Obviously, Jamaican national team uh, regular. Um. He is coming from a Rail Salt Lake. Uh, and again, just kind of like a bunch of great runs with Phoenix Rising in the past several seasons. If you've been around USL, like you've seen him, you know how good of a player he is. Um, really, really solid kind of defensive midfielder, just kind of a rock, really, um, in the middle of the field. Um, plays on the back line sometimes. I mean, this is just a huge signing. Everybody knows about his talent. Um, Again, if you follow the USL at all, you've seen him regularly, and you know why Phoenix like held on to him for six or seven seasons. Like it was a yeah. long time. Um, yeah, had a, a brief, brief run with Real Salt Lake, but 
um, ending up back in the USL with, uh, yeah, San Antonio. I mean, this is a huge, huge guy for San Antonio. And um, again, I think kind of does, uh, I mean, really late in the game, by the way, kind of surprising. Um, you don't really see, at least in my head, you don't really expect to see like crazy, crazy big splashes um, later on in the off season like this. Um, again, right. we're kind of at the end of February, March around the corner. Season's about to kick off. MLS just kicked off this past week or yesterday. Yeah. Um, so kind of surprising, but um, yeah, a really, really big pickup there. Um, definitely the biggest of this latter part of the off season, I'd say. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I, would I don't know if you characterize Jordan Farr as coming in kind of late in the offseason as well, but if you do, then they're close. I mean, that is a big one for sure. Yeah, um, it was interesting that he didn't get a ton of playing time with Real Salt Lake because I think a lot more of us expected that uh, in the you know in the USL crowd. Um, he's been a very good player. He seemed to earn that move up to MLS and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for him, but obviously that is USL's gain and ultimately San Antonio's. I think that they're building a really good squad. Um, there's a lot of stuff online and we'll probably get to this more in the next couple of weeks, but San Antonio supposedly do not want to be the defensive juggernaut that we know them to be. They want to play a more attacking style. And, uh, I guess that, you know, these are a couple of moves that move them in that direction, obviously, but I think Kevin Lambert, it doesn't matter what style you play. That's going to be, that's going to be an upgrade over, uh, you know, uh, let's say 90% of the players in his position in this league. So fair play to San Antonio. And, um, you know, they're, they're definitely looking to come into 2024 swinging for the fences again. Uh, Carlos though, as you said, that's all minor news. That's really not that big of a deal because the people yeah, who turn cares. into tune into this podcast, they don't give, they don't give a hoot about any team other than the rowdies for the most part. Uh, the only other time that we care about teams that aren't the rowdies is when we're playing them next week. That's when we have a little bit of interest. That's true. But, that's true. Uh, we have some news that's related to the rowdies. So who do we got? What do, What's going on here? Straight from the new england revolution the rowdies have brought in midfielder damian rivera on loan key on loan from the revs and mls um again damian rivera on loan from the new england revolution uh last time we brought in a guy on loan from new england revolution he turned out to be a fantastic player and had mm -hmm. an incredible run in his very short time here i miss you ryan spaulding please come <laughs> home uh damian rivera again kind of similar position wise um Again, kind of playing on the wing, kind of like Spalding. Uh, lots of crosses. Uh, Robbie Nielsen said, we want dynamic guys running forward, taking shots and making dangerous crosses. He does exactly what we want. That was what he said in the, um, the, the press release article that they put out announcing that signing. Uh, he actually did score in his first preseason game for the Rowdies, which mm -hmm. was um, this game against Montreal that we'll talk about briefly later on. Uh, so that's always a good sign to just kind of, you know, get here, uh, Boots on the floor and immediately hit the ground running. Um, great start for him. You can't really ask for a better start. Um, so, yeah, it seems like he's kind of uh, been here for, a, I don't know how long, but um, they had him training with the squad for at least a little bit um, before that game. So I um, don't know exactly when he arrived, but officially announced uh, February 19th, so just a few days ago um, after he played that preseason game. They kind of teased it out. They said, you know, it was scored by number eight, a player to be announced next week. Um, so here we are next week. They announced him on Monday. Officially, we know that Damian Rivera is on loan from New England Revolution. So, um, again, like on loan, 
who knows what that means these days. It could mean he has a great run with us and gets called back very soon, like Ryan Spaulding, or it means he stays with us till the end of the year after we win everything, you know, uh, the championship and the U.S. Open Cup, which who knows if that will get played. But um, long story short, we have Damon Rivera. Seems like a great piece for competition on the wing. Uh, again, we have guys like Blake Bodley, uh, uh, Moon, right? Guys that are already really solid out there. This seems like a great piece to add competition to that position. Um, and maybe, uh, if, if nothing else, depth. And we need that for sure. Um, so I'm really, really happy with the signing. This is something that we talked about just last week, I believe, James. We talked about how there's not a lot of depth on the outsides. You did, um, yeah, you said that. So this is a perfect, perfect addition there. And a quality addition, too. Not just you know some random guy that can play on the wing back. This is a guy right. that has a lot of potential. Um, played for uh, four seasons, bouncing around between the uh, senior team at New England Revolution and New England Revolution 2. Um, also got called up for Costa Rica U23 three times. So, I mean, this is a guy that has a lot of potential, plays a lot of minutes, whether it's for the two team or the main team. He certainly does. Played 17 matches uh, for the senior team in this time in New England. So um, I can see why they want to hold on to him. I can see why they're not just giving him to us. He's on loan for a reason because I think New England sees serious potential in him as well. Maybe that manifests itself with the reality. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Fantastic competition out there on the wing. Um, and again, if nothing else, great, great depth piece. Yeah, I think that the New England's Revolution Academy is actually starting to turn out some pretty good talent recently. You know, there if you follow MLS, there are a couple of guys that they have uh, brought into the first team. Um, most probably, most famously, uh, I would assume is Diego Fagundes. But um, they are recently really starting to turn out some good players who are contributing to their first team. Several of them, including one who's getting call ups for the England youth teams. Uh, much to the chagrin of we, the American fans. But um, yeah, it's uh, it, it's very interesting to see that they are, you know, I mean, obviously there are a ton of soccer players around the Boston area in between yeah. Boston and New York. That's all like one, that's one big, you know, kind of urban agglomeration of pretty much. So there are going to be a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds who end up playing soccer. And yeah. uh, as you said, Damian Rivera is, um, I think, I think one parent is Costa Rican and one parent is Guatemalan, something like that. So um, he's, you know, got that background where he's obviously probably going to go, grow up playing soccer. And luckily there was the New England Revolution to provide a good background where uh, a good place where he could do that at a high level. And um, just as you said, I think that he's one of the players that they see something in. Uh, among several others. And yeah. um, if we can provide a platform for him to grow and succeed, I think that he can, you know, turn that uh, back for us and give us some success too. So um, I, I'm really excited about this signing. I always love, you know, bringing in players on loan. I, I think that that's, that's great. And given, you know, um, this was something that Robbie Nielsen highlighted is that he kind of wanted to focus on more of the youth players as well. And if that yeah. means players in on loan, then fair enough. But at the same time, you know, you assume that that means Damian Rivera will have at least a relationship with us if it doesn't work out with the revolution long-term. Um, you know, I don't hope for that. Obviously I do hope that he does succeed at the highest level and everything like I do for any player. Uh, but at the same time, maybe we get a quality player down the line. So, um, I think that this is good for us in the, I think that this is good for us both in the short term and potentially the long term. And, um, if he can fill in the rest of the roster spot with similarly aged players, similar, uh, situation players, I think that we will be in a pretty good spot. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I, you mentioned youth. I have something to mention when we get to the preseason game as well, because certainly a bit of youth running around in that preseason game. And I'm really excited to talk about that. But yeah, Damon Rivera, 
big, big pickup. Um, it, it, you know, in terms of Rowdy's signings, it's not the one that's going to catch your eye, right? I think, right, but it's one that's I think certainly impressive and important um, because of you know, not only the talent he has, but the depth that that adds to the wing spots. Um, which is a position that I think is pretty vulnerable to injuries just because of how much running up and down the field they have to do. Um, so it's important to have people out there and not just any depth pieces. Again, quality, quality players. He seems to have a lot of potential, and he's kind of you know uh, flanked by guys that have a lot of experience in the USL already. Um, so this is I think it's going to be a good matchup for him. Um, good competition on the wings, but also I think uh, hopefully, um, we don't really know how this locker room is going to shape out yet, but hopefully a good chemistry and with all these guys that can build up a young player like him. I'm really excited to see how he plays out this year. Yeah. I'm um, I, again, I, I think that this is the right type of move that we should be making as an organization. So I am, I am all on board. seems like you are too, Carlos. Let's get everybody else yeah. who's listening on board. We are on the Damian Rivera train. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, the next thing that we have to do is to go over the uh, Tier 1 teams in the Eastern Conference. Carlos already thinks I made a mistake after we went through last week and looked at Hartford, but yeah. we'll see how many more mistakes I've made in making these do tiers. Before we get to that, I also want to say liking and subscribing is free, but if you think you might need some new threads coming up for this year, maybe the new season that is coming up as well, we have some options for you, and you can help out our podcast at the same time by going over to shop.rblrsports.com, checking out all the designs that we've got cooked up there there will be a link in the description and you can use a promo code if you find something that you like to get 10% off that is c-o-y-r oh good i did it i pointed the right way on the on the Let's video <laughs> um yeah everybody please do check it out and uh, i think that you will find something you like and hey if you want to check it out as we said 10% off c-o-y-r we hope to see you in RBLR gear. Now, Carlos, let's get in to our Eastern Conference Tier 1 teams, which does not include Hartford, but does include uh, this. I might have done this one in a little bit more of an order. You know what? I don't think I did. But I think the team that we're listing first is probably the weakest in this top tier, in this <laughs> quote-unquote top tier that I've created. So I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, the first team you have listed here, James, if we're going in order of weakest or strongest. I think I would agree just on paper, um, who we're looking at here. Indy 11 is the first team that James has listed here in his Tier 1 teams. So I'm going to say James because if there's any mistakes here, it's not my fault. It's his. <laughs> we look back and there's like freezing cold takes by the end of the year. Not me. Not messing with you. Uh, but yeah, Indy 11. Hey, I would be in good, I would be in good company because uh, that happens all the time with people who are, you know, paid to do this for what? MLSsoccer.com exactly. and, and all yeah, these other yeah. places. So I, I, I'm feeling okay. Yeah, people get paid to be wrong. At least we just kind of do it for fun, right? Yeah, so exactly. I just like being wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, one thing I don't think you're wrong about is Indy being the weaker of this bunch. Um, Indy 11 made a couple big signings this year, the biggest of which I think being uh, Augustin Williams. Um, fantastic, oh. fantastic striker who left Charleston this year. Um, and Charleston, I think, to the surprise of nobody's also on this list of tier one teams. And we'll talk to them, talk about them in a second. Um, but when I heard about that move, I thought Charleston might be psychotic. What the hell are you doing? I mean, you're letting go of one of your best players. They figured it out. But in terms of Indy 11, this is a huge, huge signing. Yeah, he's got a bunch of others. He can make really a, break solid... a season all on his own. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, he's one of those players that can put up just a bunch of goals. And you give him the right cast around him to do that. 
um you're in good shape and i certainly do think indy has a good cast to support him um and one of those being former rowdy sebastian guanzati um i think they could make a really interesting duo up top but i'm not really sure augustin williams is play style is accustomed to having like another striker up there with him. So I'm curious to see how that plays out. If they're yeah. both playing at the same time, when Zadi kind of drops into more of like a false nine role, um, there's a lot to talk about there. And it is going to be really, really interesting because Sebastian Gonzadi didn't have a, a standout year last year, but he had a productive season. He certainly has a ton left to give for Indy. Um, in the midfield though, Indy still has a bunch of other great players, also former Rowdy, Jack Blake, um, you also have Cam Lindley in there. Aiden Quinn mm-hmm. re-signed. I mean, there's some solid players that re-signed, and then they went out and grabbed a guy like Tyler Gibson as well, who we mentioned a couple episodes when that signing happened. Um, like, this is a team that has a lot of great support, I think, in the midfield. Um, good, good, good players in the midfield um, that I think are good enough to support Augustine Williams in his mission of carrying this team to glory single-handedly. Um because he can do that, right? Like you said. Um, so I, I'm I'm not totally sold, but there's a lot of talent in the midfield, I think. Um, and I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if they end up being like much better than we think. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they're again kind of like fifth, sixth, because there's a lot of really good teams in this conference. Um Indy is one of those good teams. I just don't think mm-hmm. right now um, I'm sold on them being elite like top three team or anything like that but certainly good players it's gonna be tough to bring that all together um good consistency in the midfield though they're bringing back three really important midfielders like i said so guys that were already there last year um it's not like they're rebuilding something but they're adding on to it right now and i think that's really important so there's potential there i don't know how much um i don't know i'm not totally sold but again augustin williams augie williams being up there is huge so uh, he's he's a big big wild card in terms of how well or how mediocre their season goes. It won't go yeah. poorly. They they have too good of a team to go to go poorly this year. Um, but I think it'll go between really elite, surprisingly, or just kind of you know fifth sixth place. Um, yeah. Now uh, that's what it feels like right now. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if they're much better than what I think. Yeah, I, I agree with that generally. Um, I just want to highlight two other things real fast. The manager for Indy 11 uh, is a guy who is a, a little bit out of left field, Sean McCauley. That's um, right, yeah. Grew up playing throughout, uh, well, let's say Northern England and Scotland. Um, was a Scotland U21 international for all of one game. <laughs> but um, he had some time as an interim coach with Minnesota United for like two years um, when they were, well, I guess it says 2023 to 24, but I guess that was, you know, after they lost a very long-term coach at Minnesota United, that is not Manchester United where he started his career as a kid. Um, But now he is the head coach after only being an interim and a caretaker manager at Sheffield Wednesday. And those were back at the last time he was there is 2010. So that one's just a little bit uh, funky. Um, yeah. I don't really know exactly what to make of them. That's kind of like with Danny Dicchio at Detroit City. Um, yeah. I was just giving you know this team a bit better judgment with the roster that they have. And the only other thing that I wanted to highlight, other than what you had already said, Carlos, was the defense. They did have a couple of pretty good defenders last season. I think that they really shored up that back line by bringing in Callum, Ch- Callum Chapman Page, who uh, was previously yeah. with Miami, and uh, then Danny Barbier, who was previously with Oakland Roots, to help out at center back. 
Then they have Aiden Stanley, another player who's previously with Miami. He will be their left back more than likely. Uh, that's obviously where he played for them. And I believe their right back is this guy named Josh O'Brien. Josh O'Brien was born in Ireland, grew up in California, and then went back to Britain uh, to play his, you know, the early part of his career. And uh, since has moved back, obviously, now with Indy 11. He's a player that I really don't know what to make of just because of his career path so far. But it seems like that could be a pretty good upgrade, those four guys in the defensive unit. And if they have a good defensive unit, then they obviously, like you said, they already have a pretty good midfield, some pretty good options up top, including somebody who can change games all on his own. So, yeah, that's where I came up with the idea of putting Indy 11 in this tier um yeah. but anyway that was uh that was the couple of other bits i wanted to highlight yeah the coaching note is big um because again i think that's also just kind of a wild card um i know me and demise saying he's gonna be a bad coach we just don't really know anything about him exactly um indy 11 is a professional enough of an organization to i think know if they have a decent enough coach on their hand so um yeah i don't think any of these teams we're going to talk about um, or most teams in the USL are, are going to go out and just snag like a randomly unqualified coach for no reason. Yeah. He's probably got something, you know what I mean? He's probably got something. Maybe I don't know. Um, someone knows him, and, and they see. I don't know. Like the, you, you know what I'm saying? I don't know if I'm explaining myself right. Um, but it's going to be a bit of a wild card because again, we don't really know anything about him. So yeah. curious. Keep an eye on Indy Eleven again. I think this is a team that can be really good, um, and maybe surprise us with like a top four finish they have the players to do it honestly like they could if they bring it together if they bring but, it together yeah there's that's that's a it's a big if right so we'll have to see very very good team keep an eye on them james next team this is a fun one i don't yeah. know i don't i don't know if you still you're still going in order here no i this one I, we had the i think the worst of this top tier first and then after that <laughs> Don't don't uh, consider that in any other type of order. <laughs> okay, no, no order from here on out for these last few teams. No order. Um, one of the teams that I think might be one of the best on this tier one list is yeah. Charleston Battery, um, who had a bit of an exodus of their own for a little bit. And I think there was a bit of question marks for me around what this team was going to look like because they were losing guys left and right, right? I mean, Adrian Cocker and Declan win. I'm just looking at the sheet. Andrew Booth, Augie Williams, Derek Dodson, Trey Muse, Fidel Barajas, Tristan Trey. Like they, they lost a bunch of different guys that seemed pretty key to their team um, at some point or another. Um, I was a little curious because I was like, this team was really good last year. Obviously, they kind of had the title in the palm of their hand and, and blew it at the end. Um, so in my head, I'm like, why not just keep the same team? I thought they would kind of fight pretty hard to keep everybody together. Um, ultimately, that didn't really happen. They made a couple big re-signings, but more important than the re-signings, I think, are the additions. And yeah. you mentioned someone like Aaron Malloy, who we talked a lot about when that signing happened. One of the biggest signings of the offseason. Um, Aaron Malloy coming to Charleston to really, really improve that uh, midfield is really incredible. Um, another player you might know is Jake LaCava, a former Rowdy making his way to Charleston uh, to play under... Former Rowdy's president, Lee Cohen. Um, and D. Myers, another player we've mentioned in the past um, mm -hmm. briefly in, in, in an episode. Like uh, Jackson Conway is a player you might remember. He scored against the Rowdies in that first game back with fans from COVID. By the way, just a random tidbit. There was like 50 fans in attendance. He was there and he scored against us when he was playing for Atlanta United too. 
really, really good player who I'm surprised hasn't really managed to break through out of like the the two team system in Atlanta. Right. Um, hopefully he gets his chance with Charleston, just not against us, because I think he's a really likable guy and a great player. Um, I know JD, if you're listening to this, JD loves his kid for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> Jackson Conway, fantastic player as well. So great depth piece up top as well. I mean, maybe even a starter, who knows? So Charleston has a lot of different players here, and I'm sure I missed a couple. Um, just kind of looking over the the roster and who they have right now. Um, continuity is something I was a bit concerned about for them just because there wasn't like they were losing a lot of players, but they made some key re-signings. It's not like they they're losing everybody either. They're adding to their team. Um, James, you noted that you think they've improved. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what you think about Charleston. I'm not sure. I'm not really sold about them having improved, but Aaron okay. Malloy, like single-handedly, could you could make an argument with just him in the central midfield that he you know pulls his team up, um, you know even just a little bit. He's a huge, huge signing for them. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Aaron Malloy is going to be a huge signing anywhere he goes in this league, but um, bringing him in was probably the biggest part of it. Like you said, Jake LaCava, MD Myers, those are two big pieces, especially up top. I think that MD Myers could well replace what they had with Augustine Williams last year, because um, as good as he is, he wasn't super productive for Charleston Battery. We've definitely seen him be more productive anyway. I'll leave it there. Uh, Diego Gutierrez came in from Portland Timbers too. He was another very good college player. I think that he's going to have a high ceiling in the USL. Um, unfortunate that it wasn't, you know, it was too big of a jump, I guess, right now for him to really catch on in MLS. But um, yeah, he's going to be a good player. And then the other one that I wanted to highlight was center back Graham Smith. Graham Smith went to uh, Oregon State in Denver and was drafted to play with Sporting Kansas City. He was with them for a while, not super great uh, with, you know, SKC and MLS. So he went to Memphis and he had two good years there and he followed Aaron Malloy to Charleston Battery. So I think that they have a really good roster to work with. Um, the only thing that stands out for me, because obviously they still have a very good manager, Ben Pierman, who got them to the final last year. Everybody, everybody thought that they were going to be able to beat Phoenix. Um, I don't, I really don't know even how many Phoenix fans expected to win that game. Uh, let's say going up into stoppage time of that, that game. Too. That game was wild. Game yeah. Was wild. But, um, the only thing that I see looking at this roster right now, and unless I'm missing players on it is I don't see a good high level starting goalkeeper. Um, they have two names, Daniel Kuzemka and Adam Grinwis. Uh, if you don't know those names immediately, that's understandable. But, um, you know, they're guys who bounce around the USL, uh, MLS Reserve League as reserve players. So um, if they don't have a good goalkeeper, that will significantly impact things. A good goalkeeper will keep you in games, will win you extra points. A bad goalkeeper will lose you points. Um, unfortunately, with Matt Turner and that, just ask Nottingham Forest. Um, I guess that's a that's a swipe yeah. at JD while you were just while you were just talking about him. But <laughs> um, either way, uh, I did want to highlight that when we were talking about Charleston, they have a lot of potential. They have a lot of good pieces, especially the manager. But they will need to if un, un, again, unless I'm missing something, which I might be, they do need to go out and get a goalkeeper to uh, fill in there. And yeah, that's the only big thing that I see potentially yeah. missing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again. Just kind of a good team, I think. Just solid team, as is. Could be up there in the elite. Um, maybe is up there in the elite. Um, I'm just not totally sold that they're better than they were last year. Because last year's roster was like really, really good. And yeah. the chemistry they were able to build really quick, quickly was really impressive. That's so, true. Um, maybe 
maybe that's that's to the credit of this coaching staff though and maybe they're able to bring this new squad together very very quickly so yeah um, i wouldn't be surprised so charleston fantastic team one team that yeah this is definitely way out of order teams i don't know what you're doing here this next team i certainly don't think is better than charleston um i don't know where they are in comparison to indy 11 but birmingham birmingham is a team that haven't really added a lot but like you said on your notes here james hasn't lost much from the 2023 season either right um they've kept most of their big big names but there's there's some names to mention that um kind of uh left them sadly for them at the end of the year including juan agadello neko brett anderson Nessiedu, big big players agadello obviously a fantastic forward um who is known pretty well around the league at this point neko brett again kind of no need to introduce him fantastic forward Sorry about that. But yeah, not a ton of additions. They brought in Stefano Pino, who I think is a really good player and just underrated in this league. I think he'll do a decent enough job replacing Juan Agudelo, but Neko Brett has big, big shoes to fill, to be honest. So curious to see how this team plays out. Matt Van Okel and goal. I kind of just expect them to be where they were last year, to be honest. Yeah. <coughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, Enzo Martinez is still there. That's a player that you would love to have on your team, but you hate to play against. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Matthew Corcoran. I mean, it's it's roster wise a good enough team. Uh, Stefano Pino, I think, is a good enough forward. I don't, I don't know much else about their other additions, um, so I'm curious to see how that plays together. Um, if they're kind of just rocking with what they did last year and then plugging in those new forwards that they brought in. Um, I just I, I don't imagine they they make a jump from last year, but like you're saying, I don't imagine they drop off either at all. Uh, kind of around the same place, uh, mid upper table. Yeah, I would say mid upper table is probably where they're headed here. There are two things that I wanted to note, other than what you have already gone through, Carlos, because that was most of the players on the roster that are going to be either important additions or, as you said, um, some some notable subtractions here. But Matthew Corcoran will be turning eighteen this year, uh, specifically. Uh, oh no, I'm I'm wrong about that. His uh, birthday has already passed. He only turned seventeen. So as it happens, I I was under the wrong impression. I was expecting him to leave this year. If he is 17, then he will not be moving to Europe at least until uh, June of 2025. So never mind. That is ruled out. Um, Matthew Corcoran will be in Birmingham at least all of this year unless he moves to MLS or something. And I don't know if he would want to do that based on the career path he's already taken. So we will ignore that talking point. (laughs) The second talking point I had is the other striker that they brought in. His name is Mohamed Bouya Toure. Uh, I don't know if it is literally Booyah or if I'm saying that incorrectly, but, you know, could be kind of a baller name. I think, there, um, I think there's an R in there. Is it Bura? Like Bura? Uh, I, I didn't see that in what I was looking at, but um, <laughs> maybe I am maybe I am looking at the wrong sources here. Um, right, either way, he originally from Sierra Leone. Uh, he played for a bunch of teams in Sweden and uh, based off of one good year moved to China. Um, you know, didn't have the best time there and came back to Sweden and then Denmark. They signed him from the Danish top division. So this guy is a bit of a uh, a wild card for us because I don't have a ton of information on him. You know, I don't have yeah. the access to Y Scout or, or the other uh, sources where, you know, coaching staffs will probably look and get their stats and whatever. But yeah. um, Mr. Torre, he probably will, you know, have an impact on this team. 
obviously yeah. on the attacking side. And um, I just don't know what that is going to be. Is that going to be five goals? Is that going to be 10 goals? Is that going to be 15 goals? You know, we, we just don't know. He's 29. Yeah. So you would assume that he's roughly around the peak of his powers as a, as a soccer player. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, but yeah, w- he is kind of an unknown for us. And, um, if he turns out to be a really important player, then obviously Birmingham will, you know, congratulate themselves on the good scouting and everything. But, uh, yeah, he could turn out to be something important or right now we're just not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah. He was, by the way, the top scorer in the Swedish league in 2019. Um, so, I mean, this guy's not messing around. It wasn't that long ago either. It's not like he's like kind of fallen off at all right he's in his athletic prime ish right now um 29 years old four years ago scored 15 goals for a a team that i know and i see their logo and i know their name all the time but i I cannot pronounce their name so i'm not going to try it (laughs) um but it has a d and then it's jerry gardens after that um I'm sorry if you're Swedish and I'm butchering. Like I'm not even gonna try and say it because it's just. If you're like Swedish, a, send us a phonetic. Written, yeah, it would be a phonetic written out way. It, it would it would feel like offensive to pronounce to try and pronounce the name of this club without properly knowing how to do that. But he was their leading goal scorer and the leading goal scorer in the entire league 2019 with 15 goals. Um, in his first year of professional soccer, he was playing for some other club in Sweden that I don't know anything about. I'm trying to figure it out. Oh, it's like. Maybe it was like the second or third division in Sweden, and he scored thirty-two goals in twenty-five games. That's a that's a pretty good result. I don't care who you are. Yeah, that. So I'm throwing that out there because that's that's just pretty crazy. I just saw the stat right now. So um, again, kind of a wild card, but an interesting wild card for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah, I think kind of a weird move to to make from Sweden to the USL. Twenty-nine years old, so kind of random. Um, wouldn't say it's like up or down or lateral i don't really know um but he's not messing around top scorer 2019 in sweden and, and looks like a good player so keep an eye on him because we'll have to see how that plays out like you said certainly going to contribute but what does that mean numbers right what does that convert to in goals keep an eye on him yeah um i think that that'll be the the main thing that we have to watch out for as rowdy's fans now moving on to the next team um honestly carlos you had a problem with where hartford was placed last week this week, I think that there are two teams that could have potentially replaced them in the the quote unquote lower tier, and that is yeah. possibly Indy Eleven. But I'm more so leaning towards this team just because it's going to be hard for all of these guys to gel under the circumstances. So the team that I'm talking about is very close by to Hartford. It is Rhode Island FC. Rhode Island is joining the USL as, I guess you could say, an expansion team, but this will be their first year regardless. Um, they have put together what on paper looks like a pretty darn good roster. Um, I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to lie about any any part of that. It's just going, the only thing that I see is putting it together, all of these guys. I don't think many of them have played together before. Um, you know, they've been all over the league or college or you know, even abroad in a couple of cases. So yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if all of these guys can work together um, uh, and, you know, put it together over the course of a year. Obviously they're professional footballers, so they're going to be better at it than, you know, most people, but at the same time doing so in a way that gets you into the playoffs, that gets you into a home position in the playoffs, that gets you into put themselves in a position where they could win a trophy. Who can say, but yeah, they do have a very good roster right now. And I think that that's headlined among many good players by last year's golden boot winner, 
Albert Dequa from Pittsburgh Riverhounds. He went and he joined Rhode Island for their first season. So, um, yeah, I, I, I am I am high on this team based on their potential, but putting it together is going. It's just going to be um, can that can they do that? Yeah, and and one thing again to keep an eye on as well is I don't know much about their head coach. Um, I'm looking at his his bio, and he was an assistant at Birmingham Legion for the past four seasons, and is now making a jump to a head coaching role with Rhode Island. Um, which making a jump to a new coaching role is usually difficult as is. Mm-hmm. Doing that in a team that hasn't existed yet, um, I'm sure, is even much more of a challenge because not only do you have to kind of get these guys to play together, but none of them have played together. Like it's not like you have any continuity. You don't have a, a team captain from last year showing you the ropes you know showing you around showing you what they did um there's no there's no culture to build on like you have to build all of that so um yeah for a first year head coach i think this is quite a challenge um i can't imagine that they will be like top two or top three on paper they have a really really good roster like i've talked about like we've talked about a lot this offseason um I think they'll score a lot of goals. I mean, you have Albert, you have, uh, sorry, like you have Dequa up top with JJ Williams, uh, former Rowdy, obviously, who had a great year with us last year. Putting those two up top together is just a lot of goals, right? Um, I don't know much else about how this team will gel together. That's it. I mean, they have the roster for it. Like you said, they have the roster to bring it together. Um, I do think this is a really, really difficult challenge for Kano, Kano Smith, Kano Smith, um, the Bermudian. Um, manager who's taking up again his first coaching role with a team that hasn't existed yet that's a really tough ask um i think if you're looking just at the roster this team should be above a team like hartford Mm -hmm. but that's that's the key is bringing that all together in a way that's effective um, for a team that again has not existed this is the first time they're playing a full season or a season or a game um it's it's going to be a curious case study for sure uh and we'll just have to see how it plays out because this is i mean this will be a challenge it's hard like i'm I'm trying to think of the last time i can think of a a coach um just first coaching gig being an expansion team um thinking across mls or usl um it just feels kind of rare i I might be making that maybe it's happened before i don't imagine it's the first time but it's gonna be really difficult i'm sure yeah um i agree with you again putting it all together that's the name of the game for a lot of these clubs of course but um it's especially difficult under these circumstances the only other uh thing that i wanted to highlight is a player from ireland mark doyle um this is another guy who's a bit of uh a a question mark for us because we don't know what his ceiling is as a, a usl player he is originally from Dublin and played for a couple of teams in the Irish League. The Irish League isn't known as, you know, a powerhouse, but obviously that's where we got Jordan Doherty the second time around. And, um, you know, he can play as a winger or a striker. It looks to me based on his numbers that he would be more of a winger. And um, there are, you know, I, I think New England, especially the Boston area, are known for Irish immigrants. So maybe he's got a good, uh, you know, a good... Um, saw a solid history to build upon there, at least in, in the cultural sense. And yeah. um, it'll be interesting to see how it turns out for him on the field too. And uh, can he be the guy who serves the goals that Mark, that Albert Dequa ultimately 
is going to try to put in the net or JJ Williams because he's yeah. six foot four. <laughs> one um, of the original hotspots of U.S. soccer, one of the, like one of the birthplaces of U.S. soccer, it was just a half hour drive away from Rhode Island, a small yeah. city called Fall River. Um, if you're a random soccer history nerd, you would have heard of them because they were like the most dominant U.S. Open Cup team back in the day. Like we're talking like 1910s, 1920s. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of people over there that still have soccer like in their blood because um, that like they're hotspot, like birthplace of U.S. soccer in some ways up there. Um, so it's kind of cool that there's a professional soccer team serving that area, um, like that specific area, not like yeah. New England Revolution for the Boston area. So um, I'm sure they'll get good support as well. I've seen good support, good like um, interactions with their tweets. Seems like season tickets are going pretty well for them. Um, so I hope they do well, like as a club, obviously, just not against us, of course, but I, I you know, successful clubs are good for this league. Um, I think that's going to be a really interesting place to have a team. Yeah, I agree. Um, as, as many teams as we can get on the map, you know, provided that there are stable ownership groups, then I'm happy with that. Uh, the last team that we are going to cover in our preview of the Eastern Conference tonight, because we are not doing a separate one for the Rowdies. Uh, I think everybody here listening already knows where we would put them in terms of tiers. And also, you know, we're going to do something that's kind of separate just for the Rowdies um, before we have our first game naturally. So I think that we'll just save it for them. The last team that we will cover is Louisville city, Louisville city. Um, I, I think that uh, I think that they are all, you know, they're always a strong organization and they do look like a strong organization again this year. Um, the only issue that I have right now is I don't think that they are at the same level that they have been. I think that they are lesser now than we have seen them in a while. But what does that mean with Louisville City? I mean, you know, you've still got a bunch of guys that they have been there for nearly uh, nearly 200 appearances, over 200 appearances. Some of these guys, it's kind of crazy. Um, they lost a couple of bigger names. From last year, they still have Wilson Harris, who was their leading scorer, I believe, last year. And um, they're trying to they're trying to institute the youth movement a lot more, it seems. Yeah, um, I'm just you know, I, I am down on them in comparison to where they have been. That doesn't mean that they're a bad team. That doesn't mean that they're not going to do well this year. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know exactly where they're going to turn out at this point. It doesn't look like it doesn't look to me like they should be challenging for a top one, two, maybe even three position in the East. But if they, you know, start to get a run going, then that could change very quickly. Yeah, they have enough guys on here that could cause problems. Or, I mean, there's enough good players on this roster. I mean, it's Louisville. Like, they always have a decent enough squad. Exactly. Decent enough is putting it lightly. Like, um, But, again, they did lose some of those big names, like you said, kept a bunch of them. Wilson Harris, I think, is the biggest one of those because he is a fantastic striker and he's young. Um, some of Louisville's best, 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 best players are not like old by any means, but they're they're certainly like they're aging every year. Obviously, um, you start to lose a bit of your physicality, a bit of your speed. Um, and Wilson Harris has so much to give, obviously, because he's such a young guy. Um, so he's he's gonna be their key. They did resign guys like Brian Ownby, who's someone like you said has been there for a long time. Um, Danny Fonda is in goal for them. Uh, who else? Uh, they still have Elijah Winder on their bench, so that's cool. Um, but Sean Toach is a fantastic center back. So, uh, uh, like they have they have guys like up and down the field, but yeah, um, it's definitely not 
the mysticism of Louisville City. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. A consistent title winner um, isn't really there anymore, um, like it has been in the past. But um, certainly a good enough organization to put it together um, and win enough games to qualify for the playoffs, obviously. Um, I think that's going to go without saying for them. It's kind of a bare minimum, I think, for them. But mm-hmm. they were they were close to kind of falling out of that last year, remember? like Yeah. It's just, it hasn't really been the same Louisville. Um, past couple seasons, but especially last year, I think it kind of really came to light um, for USL fans that this sort of dynasty they had going with all those players that have played like almost 200 games for them, like you said, it's kind of falling off slowly. Um, well, at this point, not as slowly um, anymore, but uh, kind of falling off before our eyes. So mm-hmm. I don't imagine it's very long, bef- much longer before they put it together and kind of start coming back and being that Louisville that they used to be. I just don't think it's going to be this season. I That's... You know, that's exactly what I think, too. Um, The guys that are their core players, they're getting to a point where the age might actually impact them and their ability. Um, And then the guys who are the youth movement that I I applaud them for, you know, trying to incorporate youth players. That's that's awesome. They've already sold Josh Winder, as we've talked about previously. Um, And you already mentioned his brother is on the team right now. But um, the couple of players that I do want to highlight uh, real quickly, are another academy player for uh, Louisville City. That's Carlos Moguel. Um, he started playing for the senior team in 2021, and last year was his like breakout year. He became effectively the starter as a defensive midfielder. In front of him was Ray Serrano, who's originally from Washington State, but um, he has been with Louisville City for the past two seasons now and um he is usually like i said playing in front of carlos Moguel, and then they have somebody uh i believe last year would have been probably tyler gibson or paolo del piccolo who was the number eight next to them but um Moguel as the number six serrano as something of a number 10 i think that those are two very interesting players i think that probably this year it will be taylor davila who was uh with rio grande valley last year and was actually usl all league uh, USL Championship All-League first team in 2023, he will probably be the guy who's running alongside those two to um, you know, help carry the ball forward and carry the whole attack forward. Um, if they can, you know, put it together again, obviously it's, it's that whole thing, but, um, they, they do have a ton of really good pieces and they did bring in at least one very good defender Arturo Ordonez from Pittsburgh, um, to try and shore up what seems to be a bit of an aging back line that we already talked about. But yeah, um, I think Louisville are good. I just don't think they're what we've seen in the past and they will probably be able to get there. But I think that's closer to 2025 than 2024. Totally. That's right. All right. I think that's a good take. Well, with all of that, we have gotten through our Eastern Conference preview, both tier one and tier two. We'll see which teams make me look bad. I hope it's not Hartford. Um, but if we do, then Carlos, I, you get to choose. You get to choose what uh, you know. Hartford finishing in the top half. Uh, what that means for RBLR Rowdies podcast? Because I feel like we get to we we need to have some type of uh we need to have some type of responsibility for these posts right you know they yeah. can't just be can't just be for us and nobody else yeah we can't just be alexi lava is like spitting bad takes and getting no repercussions for it we gotta exactly. make you like jump into the bay by the stadium or something after a game you know what tampa bay sun coming up uh they will be playing right next to hillsborough river so maybe oh my god like don't jump into that river by downtown <laughs> no, don't do that do not do that i mean that's just a bad idea for a variety so. <laughs> Uh, we'll keep that in mind, though. 
All right. Well, folks, if you have any ideas, we will also take those. Now, let's get into our extra time. Um, Carlos, let's talk real quickly about this preseason game because we take we took a long time to get there. But as we said, nobody was able to go to this one um, while the team was playing in 60 something degree weather and getting rained on. I was standing in a line in 60 something degree weather and getting rained on. At least if I had been at the game, I would have been able to <laughs> stand under the big awning there. But um, yeah, Carlos, yeah. what did what did you get out of this game if you were able to uh, get much from it? Uh, big takeaway, I'll just say that we're scoring goals, which is good to see at this point in the preseason. Yes, like That's not something you can always say um, in the preseason. You're always kind of like seeing 1-1 one, one results, 0-0 zero, zero results, 1-0 results. We scored four goals. Um, Cal Jennings got on the score sheet first for us, equalized it in the 32nd minute. Uh, a Rowdy's player who was at the time to be announced uh, scored a goal in the 37th minute. We now know that's Damian Rivera. Mm-hmm. Um, Artiaga got on the score sheet in the 47th minute, which is, I think, one of the ones I want to note in particular. Again, because he's somebody we're expecting to score a lot of goals, obviously, during the season in conjunction with Cal Jennings. Um, and Artiaga and Jennings both have now scored. Actually, I don't know about Jennings. I don't want to say any false statements, but I know for sure Artiago has now scored multiple times this preseason um, of the games we know about. Um, Jennings might have as well, but it doesn't really matter. It's preseason. Point is Jennings is scoring as well, so we're there. And then the 77th minute, Christian Ortiz, a preseason trialist who is uh, one of these youth players uh, who I think actually plays uh, for Florida Premier um, Academy where Georgie Kristoff uh, works over there. Um, so yeah, one of Georgie Kristoff's kids got on the score sheet, which is cool to see. There's a picture of uh, Georgie and, and this kid Christian after the game taking a picture together on the field. So That's um, awesome. Who knows? Maybe it's the passing of a torch from one legend to a future legend in Christian Ortiz. Um, yeah, there's not really any word on whether he you know, signs an academy contract, becomes a full-time player. Who knows? I don't know. It's possible. Uh, but I haven't really seen anything on that front. Don't imagine we'll get any um, crazy, unexpected news. Um, but he's there. It's good to see Rowdy's youth involved in the preseason. I don't imagine like they just include them for no reason. You know, like I'm sure if he's playing, it means there's a chance that he gets some sort of contract um, with this squad. Uh, I wouldn't just throw out random youth players to fill in slots when you know you need to get guys minutes. Um, lots of guys got minutes. Rowdy started with uh, Jordan Farr in net. Brano came in the 60th minute. Uh, Doherty was out there on the field, replaced by Trilus later on. Forrest Lasso, Kleeman were also on the field. Uh, a couple more trialists. Uh, one of them was replaced by Crusos Tomo in the 70th minute. Lewis Hilton, Blake Bodily, again replaced by Trilus in the 60th minute. Um, Arteaga, Jennings, and Perez came in in the 60th minute for Jennings. So tons of players getting minutes here. Most of the, the big players and the guys we want to see getting consistent minutes together. I'm looking in particular at the back line. Um, I want to see that back line really gel, especially with a new goalie in Jordan Farr, who I'm going to assume gets a starting spot over Brayna. Um, yeah, Lasso, Kleeman playing together, Doherty playing back there. Uh, but again, tons of other players getting good, good minutes. It's really important at this point to do that. Um, and lots of trialists still getting minutes as well. Mm-hmm. So I I wouldn't be surprised if we get one, max two more trialists uh, signed on to the team going forward. Maybe one of those is his kid, Christian Ortiz. Um, who got kind of a nice little tap-in goal uh, to start, I guess, his professional career. So happy for him. And, yeah, uh, if you were at the game, kudos to you. Kudos. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm heard they, there was enough people there to sell out of the Rowdies jersey. 
in the stadium. So that's cool. Um, of the the allotment they had there, my dad was able to snag one, nice. uh, one for me, and one for himself. He he braved the cold, and we we're facetiming throughout the game, so I got to see a little bit of it through a tiny screen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was a good game. Uh, I'm glad some people were able to go watch it and see what this product was starting to look like. Uh, I know my my dad's breakdown uh, is always a bit. He's always a bit uh, rough in how he describes things. He's pretty funny. And listening to him break down some of these games, um, he was like, yeah, you know, everybody just kind of sucks right now. It's raining, so you can't really tell. Uh, but that, that, that kind of started to come together in the 30th minute once we started to get that first goal. It looked like Montreal might kind of just score and hold on to it, maybe win like 2 nothing, 3-1 or something like that because they scored really early on. Uh, but no, their rowdy squad was a really resilient bunch um, to do that in the rain cold rainy saturday night a montreal couldn't do it but we could um all this means to me is that we should have promotion and relegation and we should get promoted over montreal so i'll take that with the grand so not joking. we can do promotion relegation episode another day if you really want to but uh oh man like we get into the weeds with that but long story short your Tampa bay ratties snagged a nice preseason win against a quality opponent in montreal oh their next preseason game which was supposed to be against the university of tampa Yesterday uh, was canceled. That did not mm-hmm. get played. Don't know. So nothing really happened on that front. Uh, I believe the next one would be against USF. I don't remember when that game is going to be. So I'm not going to say anything right now. But, yeah, a couple more preseason games left on the docket. Keep an eye on that. And, uh, yeah, we're coming up on crunch time. Yes, we are. That is true. That is true. Um, yeah, so that will do it for the Rowdies news this week. The last thing that I wanted to hit on was solidarity to the striking refs uh, with MLS. Um, I am firmly on the referee side, and that is not just because I am firmly now in the last, what, two, three months uh, anti-MLS. Um, I think MLS has, you know, signed Messi and said that they can do whatever the hell they want. Uh, you know, soccer in America be damned overall. <laughs> um, it seems like they're doing everything possible to burn any goodwill they might have had. So I, I just don't, you know, I, I don't understand the mindset there. But um, I'm not one of the rich owners who appears to be driving all of these changes. Um, either way. Putting all of that aside, because I don't want to go down any type of rabbit hole, I will say solidarity really with the refs. Yeah, we could, we could, but solidarity with the refs. Um, they, you know, deserve what they deserve. That's what they're asking for. They're asking for something that is eff- effectively, you know, um, normal conditions for the type of travel, the type of work, the type of, uh, the type of everything that goes into being a referee, because there's a lot of logistics behind that. It's not just, you know, they get the guy who's closest to New York Red Bulls uh, arena in New Jersey. They have people who have day jobs too. A lot of these people have day jobs, so they have to, you know, miss time and they have to make sure that what they're missing time for is something that is worthwhile. And that's monetarily too, because otherwise you are getting, you're not getting paid from your other jobs. So um, I think that they, do deserve what they're asking for. And um, I am on their side in this. And again, it is not just because of my bias, but that is also not helping MLS's case here. So um, I am with the refs and uh, I think that we can hope that they get at least what they deserve out of this. Um, I'm not going to trash talk MLS too much because one of my professors is a former MLS commish. So if you're listening to this professor, please give me a good grade. I'm (laughs) I'm not saying anything bad about you. Let's get those MLS teams open cup, man. What are we doing here? Yeah, for real. For real. 
Um, now, with that uh, soapbox out of the way, Carlos, you and I can finally step off of that, and we can end this podcast as well. Thank you, everyone. Just the hour mark. Yes, that is it. Good Thank time. you, everyone, for tuning in. We will get you out of here now. Um, please follow RBLR Sports on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Threads, everywhere. We are at RBLR Sports. And if you would like to get at me and tell me anything about my stupid tears that I've created for our previews, you can do that at RBLR James K. What about you, Carlos? At Carlos VPA 10 on Twitter uh, in 10 minutes. Less than that now. My team, my first love, Liga de Quito, plays in what's essentially the Super Cup of South America between the champion of the Sudamericana, us versus the champion Libertadores, Fluminense of Brazil. It's going to be a, a dogfight first legs tonight. I'm probably going to be tweeting about that all night. So when this comes out, if you're confused about why I'm tweeting about South American soccer, that's it. Rowdy's content coming soon, though, because we're, again, it's crunch time. It's almost time. Yep. And if you want to hear, uh, us covering the rest of that up until and through the rest of the season, of course. Please like and subscribe to our podcast. You can get the full experience on YouTube. If you would prefer to just listen to us, you can do that on Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Apple or Google Podcasts. It does not matter where we are there. For another week closer to the start of the season, come on, you rowdies. Thank you for tuning into this presentation by RBLR Sports. On your way out of the stadium, please remember to like and subscribe.